0: Hello and welcome back to Second Row podcast and to our third and final pre season preview for the upcoming Pro 14 2018 2019 season. My name is Pork Kelly and I'm joined as always by Ushin Collins. The home straight, Pork, we're doing it. This is it. The third one, eyes firmly on Saturday and Glasgow v Connacht. I mean. And the opening round of fixtures. <laughs> yeah, 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 but Connacht are playing Glasgow. That's all that really matters to me, so you know. <laughs> welcome to your one eyed rugby banter. Hey, we could be worse. I'm not sure how, but let's go with what we have anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True. For those of you who missed the previous two episodes, we discussed the four Irish provinces and the remaining teams in Conference A. You can listen back to those episodes and all our previous episodes on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Acast, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. Don't forget to subscribe so you get all future episodes of the Second Row Podcast delivered to you ASAP.
1: That's right. And in this, our last preview episode, we'll be having a look at the five teams who will be joining Leinster and Ulster in Conference B. Talking, as always, about the major personnel changes, what we can expect for the season ahead from these teams. And me and Porik will pick our second row, one to watch for each team.
0: And we will start our preview with the beaten finalists, Scarlets.
1: And what a year they had. A good run in Europe, second in their conference and third in the overall standings. Not a bad year, but just came perilously close, tantalizingly close to pulling it off at both domestic and European levels.
0: I know. Like, imagine losing to Leinster that many times.
1: I mean, unfortunately, as a Munster fan in recent years, it's less about imagining and more about experiencing.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, as a Connor fan, I'm, I'm used to beating Leinster every now and again.
1: All right, take it easy there, chap.
0: <laughs>
1: so, from a player perspective, they've lost a couple of big names. So, Speaking of Munster, Tyke Byrne has obviously come to the Southern Province. John Barkley, a big loss for them and got a huge applause when he played his last game, heads back to Scotland. And they've also lost a couple of the Welsh players like Scott Williams and Alad Davies. And possibly, possibly Porik, the biggest loss to that team. Tom Varndell no longer plays for the Scarlets.
0: He did know how to score tries at some point.
1: In his career before he joined the Scarlets.
0: <laughs>
1: he had such a rubbish run with them. But look, on to bigger and brighter things for the Scarlets. Some cool players coming in for them.
0: Like you have Kieran Fanatea coming in from Ospreys. And you have Blake Thompson coming in from the Hurricanes. Like that's two fairly good signings.
1: That's it. And you add to that, they've also uh, pulled in Kasim and blumcheese from the Cheetahs. Both of whom were standout players for the South African team last year. And Sam Hidalgo Klein comes down from Edinburgh to join them as well. Like it's it's a couple of really astute signings.
0: And you can really see them carrying on that upper trajectory this season. Like they're just gonna get better.
1: You can, and you can see how those type of players fit into their game plan. Like Ty Byrne disappears and Blade Thompson is as close to a like for like replacement as you'll find. Barkley goes, Kasim comes in, and Blumish just adds that bit of an extra spark. Like imagine a back three with him, Lee Halfpenny, and Johnny McNichol. The ball will never touch the ground. Never. Like, it's top quality stuff. And they've started the year as well. I mean, Pat Lamb's Bristol is coming into the Premiership season with an awful lot of hype. And they dispatched them 28-19. to 19.
0: Oh, look, if anyone can tell me that Bristol team's best 23 with all the money they've thrown at it, they'll be doing well. I don't think Pat Lamb knows how to deal with all the talent he has.
1: Well, I'm sure he'll figure it out by signing the rest of Connacht whenever he feels like it. Stop it. So the real question about Scarlets is, do we think they've learned the lesson of how to get past a top side like Leinster? Like, I know they improved a lot between the European semi-final and the Pro 14 final, but, like, will they be able to kick on and, you know, do the business when it gets down to it?
0: I have this feeling that this Scarlets team are going to be one of those teams in history that will always be the team that were just not as good as Leinster. Oh. Like, if you didn't have this Leinster team... Going at the moment, Scarlets would be in their position. You know, I don't. In the Pro 14, Scarlets are the heir apparent to that spot, especially how they play.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, they do have that same kind of creativity and they can dominate teams in the same way. It just always does feel like Leinster have had that gear to bring it up.
0: Or Leinster just do it better.
1: Maybe. But with Leinster's squad potentially being depleted this year, with players being wrapped in cotton wool for the World Cup, maybe there's a chink in the armour that the Scarlets can take advantage of.
0: You have to think, Pivak has to win Silverware this year. Not want to, he has to.
1: Well, it's his last year, he's already announced as the incoming Wales coach. Like The players will want to send him off with something more than a lot of bridesmaids' dresses, you know?
0: Well, in all fairness, the bridesmaid dresses will look better than their jerseys. I genuinely no words about that away jersey even the home one you have to you have to admit the marketing team and the jersey creators have done their job because that's all anyone's talking about
1: my my favorite meme was the photo with the jersey beside a nascar and like every inch is just sponsor 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 sponsor,
0: sponsor. even the logo's gone missing i can't actually find it well, that's 'cause that's
1: because it's hidden, like, under the left corner nipple region or something. It's ridiculous.
0: But, you know, they have lots of sponsors, and they're getting their money's worth.
1: Well, I wonder. I mean... You'd like to think that if they just turned around to, like, one of the actual good companies and given them the whole jersey, they might have got a better deal. And their club would know who they were playing for.
0: You do know, though, like, more than likely, they just have the new club sponsor in big letters across every inch of it. So you wouldn't actually have a jersey. It'd just be one big banner. (laughs)
1: Yeah. One letter each for all of the players, and they can only stand in the formation that spells out the sponsor's name. Exactly. So speaking of players in formations, Porik, who's your one to watch for the Scarlets?
0: My one for watch is Blomgees. Nah, no surprise. He was a real
1: favourite of yours last year.
0: Yeah, like I just took a shine to him for the Cheaters. He was an incredible player for them. He was just so clinical. Was able to create something from nothing. And the reception he got into Scarlets' home ground in that quarterfinal was unreal. Yeah,
1: they they really appreciated him. And I think probably either the deal was done or rumours were starting to circulate that he was coming to Wales at that stage. So I think they were, they were eyeing up their their future player and they were liking what they were seeing.
0: Oh, definitely. And who have you picked for your one to watch?
1: So I've kind of gone for the steadying hand in that back line, but somebody who I think has a massive, massive potential to bring the best out of that Scarlet's team. And that's Hadley Parks. So having been a bang average player in uh, New Zealand for so long, comes up to the, the profile and is just one of the standout centers playing at the moment. He just seems to have the ability to link play together so effectively and his defensive reading of the game is outstanding um i just think he'll bring a bit of solidity because what we talked about with that creative back three you do need to have like kind of that kind of stern face in the midfield to hold it all together and he does stern face really well
0: oh definitely and like he has been a revelation for scarlet's but you can even see his impact for wales he's just a top-notch player and the northern hemisphere just seems to suit him
1: Absolutely. He's just really attuned to that way of playing and I I can continue to see him being a pivotal part of that team going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we'll move on to Edinburgh, who came third in the conference last season and fifth overall, which was a very good season for them.
1: It was a great season and they were, you could argue, a little unfortunate to lose to Munster in the quarterfinals down in Limerick. Like not the best game by any stretch of the imagination and Munster edged out a win as they so
0: often do. A lot of change in personnel, though. Yeah, the exit door has swung open like Dupree, Weir, Sam Hidalgo-Klein, Jordan Lay, Tovey and Hardy. That's that's a long list of players going from a fairly successful team. That's six players who could arguably start in a given game. Yeah, but at the same time, they have brought in, like we just talked about him, John Barkley. Like That's a huge signing for Edinburgh.
1: That is, that's a marquee signing. And alongside that, you've got Henry Pyrgoss joining from Glasgow, Luke Hamilton and Matt Scott. There's actually, even if you go down through the kind of less well-known players, there's a lot of Scots that Richard Cockrell is bringing back home, which is an interesting approach. It's like he's trying to build a more cohesive unit in Edinburgh, which reflects a lot of the philosophy they were playing with last year.
0: It's like he's looked at Ireland and gone, hold on a second. The players from the area, from the country, do have to seem to give that bit more. And you need you need outside talent, but at the same time, homegrown players bring in fans and help bring up the game at a youth level as well.
1: Yeah, he's building something there, and they started out preseason with a decent result, like a narrow defeat to Bath, is nothing to be ashamed of. With both teams coming into the season,
0: no, and Cockerill won't like throw the baby out with the bathwater with the loss to Bath in preseason. No. He'll want a repeat of last year. He'll want a decent showing in the pool stages in Europe. You know, he has a lot to work with there, and He has a a relatively high ceiling. He does, and that's a
1: longer-term project. And I think the Edinburgh management team knew that when they brought him in there. It wasn't about a quick-fix appointment. It was about continuing to bring up that ceiling of Scottish rugby and bring through that generation. And he's got a core of good players there that I think are going to be able to do that and who can kick on. And and potentially, like the big thing for them would be, can they get a home quarter similar to the Cheetahs? Because that makes their lives an awful lot easier when it gets to the knockouts.
0: I know exactly what you mean. And like speaking of their players, who do you think is the one to watch for them this year? So
1: I've gone for a young player who I feel has a lot of potential and someone we we talked about a lot last year, which is Magnus Bradbury. I, I just think he's got the potential to kick on and get into that national side. Like the Scottish back row has always been an area of strength as has Edinburgh's and, if you look at the key performances last year where Edinburgh played above themselves, their back row and Bradbury in particular was absolutely on fire. Like, There's a little bit of temperament questions there, but I think last season gave him a chance to answer that. And next season,
0: it's all about kick on, perform. No, that's a really good choice. Like, I was really impressed with him last season. And I'd like to see him kick on because he's a good player, but not too good because, you know, Ireland and
1: Connor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Always think about yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about you, Pohirk? Who have you got?
0: I've gone for John Barkley and it's kind of for the same reasons I went for Tyke Byrne in our Irish Provinces preview. Like, he's coming from Scarlets where he was a top player into a very different system. Will he be able to play to the same standard? Will he have the same effect, the same impact? And for me like he's such a talented player if he plays to his best like Edinburgh are on to a winner with him.
1: John Barkley is just going to be a top quality player any club that he goes to for my money and I think Edinburgh is no surprise and he's a real leader as well so I think he's going to be a massive addition and a really good shout for one to watch.
0: Yeah and that brings us on to the surprise of last season, Benetton. Yeah they had such
1: an unexpectedly strong performance like finishing fifth overall and pushing Ulster to the last day of the season, um, eighth overall across both conferences. But that that almost does them a disservice. There was such a gulf between them and the bottom two teams. They were just hoovering up points anywhere they could get them.
0: No, they like I was so impressed with them. And as much as I do joke about Irish provinces first, I did want to see them in the Champions Cup this season because. My God, did they deserve it?
1: I think for the first year where they had to teams had to qualify purely on merit, and there was no kind of backdoor. It's it's like they set it out at the start of the season and said we have to have to have to be in with the running for this, and like you have to hope that wasn't their one chance because if you look at them, it's been slow, sure, but the standards are steadily improving in Benetton. There are green shoots there,
0: definitely. But the problem is like they've lost Marty Banks. And Francesco Minto, you know, like two very good players. Well, Banks especially.
1: Banks was such a good signing for them as well because you look at when they had to close out tight games and often it's the difference between a missed conversion or a penalty that your kicker didn't have the confidence to take on. And Banks really brought that for them in those clinch games. Um He's a, he's a huge loss. And when you look at the players that they've brought in, there's no real standout signing to replace him or, or Francesco Minto, who's got a ton of caps.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that I'm worried for Benetton for this season, but it's kind of hard to see where they go because they haven't really improved squad wise. No, but they've certainly improved results wise because they
1: started out with a 26 points to 10 win against Leicester, which I don't think anybody saw that coming.
0: No, like, in all fairness, even in pre season, that is an
1: impressive result. Yeah, for all we talk about them, you can't predict anything from it. No, but you still look at that and you think, on no day do you put your money against Leicester or against Benetton.
0: Yeah, and if they keep changing people's opinion of them for another season or two, like, that is really good for the league because it has been the big downfall of the Pro 14 and actually the Six Nations that the Italians just haven't been holding up their end of the bargain
1: that's it and we do need to see them doing so and as we mentioned in the last episode we do have that other friendly of the benetton versus zebre game to look forward to or actually by the time this comes out that'll have happened so we'll know who's in the front in the benetton v zebre race for italian glory
0: yeah like i expect benetton to win but you just never know
1: hey everything's fair in love and pre-season eh
0: (laughs) but like looking forward to the season. I'd say they'd love to be in the playoff this year.
1: I think they would. But I think that's, you know, that's the, the everybody gets ice cream in their own Ferrari goal. Like, I think if they finish fourth and give themselves a shot at that playoff qualifier, that will be considered a strong result. I mean, but what I do like is I don't think Benetton are sitting there setting goals saying we need to not finish last or we need to beat Zebrae. I think they're saying we need to be competing with the Ulsters and the Edinburgh's. And that's fantastic.
0: That is brilliant. And they do have the team to do it, but can they pull that off two years in a row? That's the question. I think that
1: my one to watch for Benetton is is going to be part of that drive. Um, I've gone for Sebastian Negri, who is a gritty, combative, and just really physical influence within Benetton and obviously upward to the Italian side. And I think he's just gone from strength to strength. He had, for me, a breakout year last year.
0: And I think they're
1: going to be building a pack
0: around him that's
1: going to do some serious damage in the Pro
0: 14. A top quality player. I was actually thinking about picking him myself. Like, you just can't look past him when you're talking about Italy and Benetton. Who have you gone for? Did you uh, settle on Sebastian as well? No, I went for Ian McKinley. Ah, very good. Not just because his story is incredible, but the bits I've seen him play, he has to be verging on being... Benetton's first choice, 10. Well, there's a real battle for 10
1: there between him and Tommaso Allen. You know, the Irish Italian man and the Scottish Italian man battle it out for the number 10 shirt.
0: Exactly. And you kind of think whoever wins that battle is the 10 for Italy come the World Cup.
1: I think Carlo Canna might have something to say about that, but I'm with you. I think if you're playing in the pivot position at the best club in your country, how do you not walk into the national team?
0: Exactly. And that's why I've gone with McKinley. I think, one, he's just inspirational, and two, he does have a bucket load of talent to go with it.
1: Good shout. And unfortunately, speaking of things that didn't have a bucket load of talent, skill or entertainment value last year, we come to the bottom half of like the tournament overall. Um, and it's the Dragons. Second from bottom in their own conference, but the second worst team overall. About the worst season I've seen a club have apart from the next team we'll talk about.
0: Like, as much as I would like to stick the ore into Dragons, they did beat us last season, so I can't really go too bad at them. Yeah, that one reflects poorly on
1: you as well. (laughs) But you know what? They've managed to retain any of the players who I think they wanted to. Bernard Jackman has, I'd say, been given another season to turn it around. And he's got a couple of decent players who've come in to, to bolster that team as well. I know what you mean.
0: You know, Ross Mariarty... Richard Hibbard, Roger Williams, you know, easily another half a dozen others. Did he rob Pat Lance piggy bank? <laughs> I think the,
1: um. so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Dragons are fully owned at this point by the WRU, and they've just gone, we can't continue to have this embarrassment of a fourth region if we want to have a successful breeding ground for welsh rugby we need four strong regions and they've just had to put their money where their mouth is
0: yeah it seems to be the welsh unions let's copy ireland but like five years later Strategy is still in play.
1: Yeah, they're they're kind of still struggling into the professional game, the whole concept of central contracts. But they've really suffered from bleeding players across the border into England. And sometimes it's just as as small a thing as people going over there for, for further education, you know?
0: Yeah, like, you know, if you look at Ulster, you can kind of tell their academy can have that same issue. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's so many good colleges in England that it's so easy to lose players like that.
1: This is it. And speaking of things that are so easy to lose, game one of the season, not how you want to start. 42-10 against Northampton, they got hammered.
0: Ah, yeah. But, you know, it's Northampton
1: and they're Dragons. Yeah. uh, I I think whoever was setting the preseason fixtures was either ambitious or more focused about eight receipts than giving their team a nice warm-up into the season.
0: Look, both are as equally as important when you're, you know, centrally owned like the Dragons are. This is it. Um,
1: and in terms of central loans, what do we think their Welsh Rugby Union overlords will be looking for from the Dragons this year?
0: Not being completely awful, I think will have to be the bare minimum.
1: Yeah, like they have to improve on last season. I, I think, I think if they finish bottom or second bottom again, then Bernard Jackman is probably going to get the bullet.
0: Yeah, and as much as Jackman is a very good pundit, you'd have to think if dragons don't significantly improve is there a question over his coaching credentials i think that's probably a
1: bit premature like he has demonstrated with some of the time that he spent in france that he has extremely strong credentials and the ability to build a squad you look at where the dragon started from last year and it was such a poor base let's let's revisit that one later in the year because i i have a lot of time for him like i i see him as a coach who's potentially going to come back into one of the irish provinces or even the national side over the next couple of years
0: I know, I know exactly what you mean, but he's no Connor O'Shea.
1: No, he probably doesn't have the same ready-made path to
0: success there
1: uh, as Connor O'Shea is walking. But like I said, let, let's let's uh, let's keep an eye on that one. And in the process of keeping an eye on that one, who is your one to watch from the Dragons Park? Who have you got your eye on for the season?
0: Honestly, I actually feel like I just do a lucky dip because so many new and very good players have come in. They just have to lift that team. Like I know that is such a cop out, but. It just has to happen. There's just too many top quality players come in to just let them off with this is the one person to watch for for dragons.
1: Okay, well, I I, I will put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to put it on Ross um, Ross Moriarty, I think. He's got that kind of hatred in his eyes for other human beings that I think is what you need when you're going to have to win by any means necessary. Uh, Like he's the kind of guy that you can just imagine, let's say choking somebody out on a rugby pitch to win a a non-competitive game in the middle of the summer. And that's the kind of player that makes him who he is.
0: I know what you mean. And he could be exactly the player that dragons need to drag them physically to a higher level. I just think whatever about your opponents scaring you, when you have a guy
1: like Ross Moriarty on your own team, you don't want to let the guy down.
0: No, definitely. That's, Like, that is without question. And the team that let everyone down last year are the Southern Kings.
1: Let's reel off their achievements, shall we? They had the 7th position, or bottom position, in Conference B. They had the 14th, or bottom position, in the Pro 14. They had the worst points difference, I think I'm right in saying this, in top-tier rugby worldwide including having a worse per-game record than the Sunwolves, who were previously the biggest pile of dirt I've ever seen play. What an appalling season. And I know don't necessarily have the pedigree of the Cheetahs, didn't have a full pre-season, lost a lot of their playing roster before the start of the year, but oh my God, were they dismal.
0: It has to be said, they were in such a a worse off position compared to the Cheetahs. Like at least the Cheetahs had the good Curry Cup squad they could kind of pull from where the Kings were just decimated because anyone worth their while left because no one knew what was happening there.
1: Well, that's true. And I think what's been interesting is there's a whole lot of change going on behind the scene here. They have a new top-line sponsor in Isuzu. There's been, I think, a new board put in place who are determined to make Southern Kings like the home of black rugby in South Africa. Noble stuff, like to see it. But probably just as important, there's been a huge clear-out in that squad. Like There must be 20 players who've been let go.
0: They really do need to improve and the only place they can start is with their squad. There is just so many players there that even people in South Africa who love the rugby wouldn't know. Yeah, And for them to come up to us, we're like, who, 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 who? I think the
1: only term you could use to describe it is that they have flushed away some of the remains of last year. They've brought in maybe a half a dozen players who look like they should be able to strengthen that squad and bring the standards up a little bit. But they are very much looking to grow the players that they have, I I don't hold a lot of optimism. I mean, realistically, Park, what's a good outcome for them this year?
0: Like A good outcome for them is not be bottom overall. You know, be better than one other team. That has to be the bare minimum they have to achieve. Like
1: I, I think I think they need at least to win one in four games at home. God, like I mean, I think they need to sc- have an average of at least one or two tries scored every game, but.
0: I I still don't see this team clawing their way off the bottom of the conference, you know? No, and like I've kept an eye on what a lot of South African pundits said about them when they were playing Super Rugby. It does seem that the coach they have there, given time, can make the team decent. So it is a project. They're starting from scratch and such a low level that as long as they're giving in performances... Yes, they're going to lose more than they win, but if they've given performances that people can come and start bringing fans back to the team again, I think next season's a win. I mean, it's a low bar, and let's hope, genuinely, let's hope that they clear it. Definitely. I always, always say the better the teams are in our league, the more respect we'll get, and the better everyone gets on a whole. Well, fingers crossed. So tell me, who have you picked as your one to watch for next
1: season? So... I've gone for Banda, who would have been fullback for the Kings for most of their big games last year. Similar to Blumcheese for the Cheetahs, he kind of has this sense when he gets ball to hand that he's capable of doing something with it. He's an aggressive runner. He's not a bad defensive kicker. And more often than not, he was bringing the ball back over the gain line. A couple of competent performances, not too many mistakes, and scarily that probably puts him in the top 5% of their team.
0: Yeah, but he is someone that you can be excited to watch, and they need that as much as wins. You know, they need someone that people are excited to go see, and he's definitely that. What about you, Porik? Who are you reckoning? I've gone for one of their new players, Cyril um, Pretorius from Dragons. Okay. Like, for me, he's a fairly underrated scrum half. Like, he always played well for the Dragons. Like, he's a good, steady hand. And in his career, he's played for the Cheetahs, the Free State Cheetahs, the Waratahs, Dragons. Falcons. You know, he's been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. Big
1: game experience could be critical for them, and particularly in a position like halfback, that can be the winning or the losing of a game.
0: Yeah, it really is, and he's done damage to Connacht on so many occasions that he's the type of player that will really fit in with Kings, I think. I always like how you remember players who punished Connacht more than other ones. Yeah, it's like how I can always, like, I know players I hate because I hate to see them against Connacht. Fair. And I think that probably wraps us up for conference B and for our little preview series. That's it. So thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll be back for a quick preview podcast on Thursday evening ahead of the round one fixtures. And then we'll be moving on to a new regular weekly format on Monday where every week we'll recap the weekend's fixtures and have a quick look at the next round. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media. We are on facebook.com forward slash the second row. And on Instagram and Twitter, we're at the second row. That is 2ND, not the word second. So until next time, take care. See you, everyone.